the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I don't know if your worship team do like choir training with you guys, but this is the closest. A congregation has come to sounding like a choir. Someone behind me was harmonising. I've never heard anything like it. It's usually a mess. Um, So congratulations on that. That's my first observation. Um, I'd love to get to know the people in the room a bit before I introduce myself. Um, Everyone's like, oh no, participation. It's really minor. You don't have to move from your seat. I'd love you just to raise your hand if you are single, whether that is intentionally or for now with the hope of marriage or as a result of, you know, maybe being divorced or widowed. If you don't want to play, just keep your hand down. It's fine. Um, Okay. 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 There's a good cluster at the back. I imagine um, that's like the back of the bus, right? That's the... If you're single and you've missed that trick, you kind of want to be back there, I think. Um, Okay, what about if you're in a relationship but you're unmarried? And that could be all the way from, like, you said you're exclusive all the way up to you're engaged but not married yet. Have we got many of those? Okay, smattering. Hands up if you're married without young children. (laughs) Married with the young children. Okay, I love this. There's such a range across the group, which makes me think that this must be a reasonably welcoming church. Otherwise, one of those groups would have just left to go somewhere else. It is. So well done to you guys. Tick already. Um, but let me tell you who I am. So I'm Lauren Windle. I am, as, as has already been said, a journalist and a broadcaster and all of those things. Um, and I specialise in writing and talking about addiction and recovery, Faith, which is very generic in a church setting, but not so generic when you're speaking to non-Christians. And also love and dating and being single. And I've done that in mainstream media, in Christian media, and I've written a book called Notes on Love, Being Single and Dating in a Marriage-Obsessed Church, which is a bit of a spoiler for where we're going. Um, I'm going to say this disclaimer now, and I'm going to say it several times. I don't hate marriage. I think marriage is wonderful. It may sound a bit like I do at times, but that's wrong. (laughs) That is just because I'm not here to talk about marriage. I'm specifically here to talk about being single, but marriage is an incredibly important union of people. It is to be championed and celebrated. It's just not the topic of this next 20 or so minutes. Sigh of relief as I say 20 or so minutes and not 45. (laughs) I'm going to read those two Bible verses again from Corinthians, just so they're really fresh in, in our minds as we move into the talk. So 1 Corinthians 7, 8. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. And then 1 Corinthians 7... 32 to 35, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of the world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, 
how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Amen. Undivided devotion to the Lord. That sounds good, doesn't it? Um, So the Bible is pretty clear that being single is good, that it is something to celebrate. Not every single person in a church would feel that that is reflected in the church culture. And I'm going to say I don't speak for everyone. I can tell you what people have told me, what I've felt from time to time. But what's amazing is that this is going to be followed up with a panel of some people who are single in your congregation. So they can say their perspective and maybe some of their experiences. And I'd love for us all to be really open to hearing that. And I've noticed that occasionally when I speak in churches about this, there's a little defensiveness. And I've had people come up to me and be like, our church culture is just not like that. I just don't see the point in this kind of speaking. Those people are married often. And then I get the single people coming up to me being like, oh my gosh, I'm so pleased someone said it. So actually, there may be more to learn than than you may realize from your personal experience. Equally, you could be a single person who just doesn't feel this way, and that's great. Um, Okay, so why have single people gotten the impression from the church that married is better than single? And particularly in the run-up to the book, I spoke to a lot of people about this. Um, Here are some ways that I think subconsciously the church can hand that message to its congregation, the people who come in. Um, Sometimes, and I, I haven't actually dug into the sort of structure of your church specifically, so let's say we're talking about the church, capital C, and some of this may or may not apply to you specifically. Uh, It can feel like it's the married couples who are in the more senior positions, both lay positions and formerly employed by the church. Uh, The PCC, the elders or the board or however your church is run is often made up primarily of married people. Um, Churches can be very bad at inviting single people. Again, obviously I'm here, so you tick um, to preach from the front. Um, sometimes the people preaching because they're married will constantly reference like anecdotes from their children when they're raising their kids or something about their partner. Oh, Jenny's so funny because every time we go on holiday, she's this and this. And this reminds me of God. And you're like, okay. You know, and it's great. Often, often everyone draws on their life experiences, but bear in mind that if that's the only element of your life experience that you're drawing on, not everyone in the room will be able to relate. Events are often geared towards young people, great, really important, all the way up until sort of student age, and then they kick in again when you get married. So what's the gap? You know, what about the 25 to whatever age people who don't get married or have children? Is there ministry to cover those people? Um, The church calendar works around the school calendar, which is irrelevant to someone who isn't a teacher or a parent. Um, I spoke to one person who couldn't go to their church games night because you had to come with a partner because they just weren't invited, which is really quite poor. Um, 
Another person, so Single Friendly Church, which is an organization associated with Christian Connection, a dating site that you guys are going to pretend you don't know about, but it's there for Christians. Um, They did a massive survey in 2012, and one person, and this one's really stuck with me, was like, I got a girlfriend, and suddenly all the married couples started inviting us round for dinner, but how much more I needed that invitation when I was single. Um, Often churches prefer to have, whether or not it's sort of in their mission statement or not, a married couple running a midweek group, Bible study, prayer group, life group, connect group, home group, whatever it is that you guys would call that. And in fact, there was another survey, but I should specify this is American churches, and I think the culture is slightly different, where 50% of churches said they wouldn't let a single person lead a small group in their church. So just to be clear, Jesus does not qualify to run a small home group in that church. Now that is a steep criteria. (laughs) Um, I had one person in my research say to me that they feel called to do church planting but they will only do that if they get married because they've never seen one single person or a group of single people or two single people being sent off to plant a church. They've only ever seen blah, blah and his wife. And that's it. What a shame that that resource isn't being more encouraged. If you're single past sort of graduation or past you getting your GCSE results or whatever, when are you celebrated? You know, our big celebrations are around relationship milestones, romantic relationship milestones. It's the engagement party, it's the wedding, it's the anniversaries, it's the day that they have their child. And I'm not saying we don't celebrate those things, of course we do, but there's more to be celebrated. We celebrate more, more parties, I'm saying. More schler and cheese straws, guys. (laughs) This is good news. Then there's the comments, and everyone single knows these comments. Um, it's this pressure on the eligible single men to like get out there and do their bit for the war effort because there are so many more single women. Why aren't you asking girls that? Why haven't you? She's lovely. Have you seen her? It can feel really suffocating on those men. Um, someone coming over and being like, when's your turn? I don't know, Judy. I've been praying that. Thank you. Are you really putting yourself out there? I'm trying, okay, Judy. Um, I just can't believe you're still single. You're just so great. Just so on fire for God and so pretty. And, you know, I just can't believe... Marry me then. Fine. (laughs) Marry me. Money where your mouth is. If it's so unfathomable that I'm single, tell me that from one knee, okay? It's just not helpful. Use this time to work on yourself. This is such an opportunity to become the person that the person you want to marry wants to marry. Oh, rubbish. We don't even know who that person is, and we're changing ourselves to what we think they'll want. Worry about who you want to be, who God wants you to be, not this fictional stranger who may or may not want to be with you. Everyone gets this stuff wrong. You know, I was at a wedding, not, not recently, it was pre-COVID, so let's say three years ago, and they're all coming out and there's confetti, everyone's standing next to my mate, and I turn to him and I go, you next, isn't it? 
Shall I get a hat? They broke up the next day. Like, what was I thinking? Um, it, and my mum, you know, she's read my book. She knows the scorn that I've heaped on her head. And she, I just got my eyebrows done. Thank you. Looking forward to people telling me how great they look at the lunch afterwards. She was like, I'm going to do that to my eyebrows, but I'll wait until I've got something big. I'll wait till your wedding. No, don't. I will pay for you to go now. Don't put that on me. Mum's going to have rubbish eyebrows until I meet a man. I don't think so. <laughs> I've got enough to worry about, you know. Um, so what, think about what, what message you as an individual and you as a church community are sending people. You know, we've heard the Bible is clear that being single is not inferior to being married. Jesus says that you actually be, may be more useful to the kingdom if you stay without a partner. Jesus was unmarried. John the Baptist was unmarried. Paul was unmarried. These aren't part of the chorus. They're not minor figures in the Bible who we can pull out and, and roll out and be like, look, they were all right, blah, blah, you know, from those two verses in Ezekiel. These are the key players in the New Testament, and they remained unmarried. Here's my challenge to the people who raise their hands who are married, particularly the ones with the kids, right? You may be sitting here. This is really mean, and I'm so sorry. But think, you'll think about it a lot. You may be sitting here and thinking, like, I know this. You know, of course I celebrate the single people. Riddle me this. If your child came to you and said, I have made a decision, a commitment, that I am going to stay single because I believe that is what I'm called to, that's what I'm, what's right for me, would you celebrate that the same way you would if they came to you and said, I'm engaged, here's my partner? Would you feel as pleased with that decision if they said that to you? Um, but I do want people to recognise that getting married is trading the perks and challenges of one life stage which is being single, for the perks and challenges of an equal but different life stage. It's not levelling up, it's not upgrading, it's not finally getting there, it's not crossing a finish line. It is a sideways move with its own difficulties that need to be embraced, as well as its own unique and incredible joys. And I think often people don't get that message, but also single people can feel like they've got this idol of marriage that they're working towards. Um, so now I am going to address the single people in the room. It's important to me and I believe to God that single people feel celebrated and valued and live life to the full, like we were saying, you know, like Sue was sharing that she did, travelling, you know, don't treat being single like it's a temporary stop on your way towards... I've had some people say, like, oh, I'm not going to put pictures on the wall or anything because, like, I just want to wait and see if I get, like, a partner. Then we can kind of decorate together. Decorate, you know? Do what you want for now. If it's for six months or six years or, you know, for the rest of your life, if you haven't fully invested in the stage you're in, you'll really regret it. So whether you are single now because you... Single now and you hope that that will change, whether you are single and that is your space of contentment, um, you should know that you're not stuck in a waiting room. You're not 
second class or unqualified. I think that we don't talk about or celebrate enough the active decision to stay single. It is truly remarkable. And those people who who make that choice have the potential to achieve vastly more for the kingdom of God, which is exactly what that passage says. But my experience is that those who are single, the majority at least, would prefer not to be and are hoping for a relationship in the future. So I'm going to talk to those people specifically. Sometimes that is really easy. Sometimes that's really hard. I'd say I oscillate between being like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine ever being in a relationship, life's so good, to like crying in the shower, like, why is God doing this to me? Why am I alone, right? It's a little insight into... My flatmate's life. <laughs> um, when, when other people have to go home early to relieve the babysitter, I'm like, this is the good life, completely single. But when I'm travelling somewhere and I'm in a shared house and the privacy of the married couples is so prized above everyone else's that they get their own ensuite double bedroom, whereas I'm in the fold-out bed for the kids in the living room, and everyone's like, oh, just popping through for a coffee in the morning before I'm awake. Hope you don't mind, because I'm single. Doesn't feel so great. When uh, someone's going through a breakup or just having real problems in their marriage, I can sit back and be like, oh, this is hard. It's hard to navigate this. I'm, I'm relieved that I'm not having to process this level of pain. But then when I see another, another engagement announcement on social media, and I'm like, ah, okay, That's, that can hurt sometimes. What a lot of married people don't realise is that being single and the disappointment that can be wrapped in with that does affect your faith. And in that single-friendly church survey, people were leaving either their church or the church and their faith because they felt that level of disappointment. There are people for whom the fact that they are single after years of hope and prayer is the single greatest disappointment in their life. There are people in this room who feel wary, who feel disappointed, who don't know where God is in this anymore, who don't know how many more rejections they can take. They don't understand why there's all, they're always somebody's friend and not their love interest. They wonder if they're ugly, if they're not clever enough, if they're not funny enough, if it could be that they're too boring or too nice, or maybe they're just fat and they need to lose weight. Maybe they don't fit into the typical Christian girl thing. Maybe they're loud or too opinionated or too much or too hard to love. Maybe they don't fit the typical Christian guy thing. They don't have abs. Maybe they're short Maybe they stumble on their words or don't have the confidence to approach women like other men do. Maybe they feel like giving up hope. Maybe they know God is good, but they just don't feel it anymore. Maybe they feel unheard and unacknowledged and unanswered. There will be people in this room who maybe did meet someone they thought was right They thought God could finally be answering that prayer, the desires of their heart. Maybe they stopped looking and this perfect person suddenly came along because that's how Instagram said it would happen. Maybe they thought this is exactly why nothing worked out before because this person is ideal. 
He doesn't have the issues the last guy had. Or she's even better looking than the girl before. The Lord gives with both hands and it's finally their turn. There could have been contact with the person, maybe a bit of chat or flirting, some ambiguous conversation that could be read as friendship or could be read as romance, depending on your perspective. Maybe there was just enough for them to get excited. Maybe they could finally see the light at the end of the dating tunnel. And then maybe it turned out to be nothing. There will be people in this room who've been dumped, friend-zoned, ghosted, disappointed, over and over again, and I'm so sorry. Some of these people will have been honoured within those interactions. They will have been treated with dignity and shown respect, but more times than not, that is not the case. They won't have been treated well. And they will have to deal with the disappointment of not having the relationship they thought they were going to have, plus the disrespect and the ill treatment that they have suffered. And they will have to take time to heal and recover from that. And then they're left rolling back down to the bottom of a hill, looking back up it, dreading starting to climb it again with someone new, some unknown entity who could be carrying their fragile heart in their hands and they feel exhausted and they feel terrified and they feel broken. And I wonder how many times since you were in that place you stopped to think that that could be someone's story, that every single time they celebrate something or they hear something amazing or God does something in their life, they think that there's this dark cloud over it because they don't get to share it with someone. If that's you, I'm really sorry. I can't fix it. Dating is a risk. It's vulnerable. And you have got someone who's going to be speaking to you about that down the line. Um, but it's painful. And it's something that you can't do without taking off your armour. You can put safe, sensible boundaries in, in place to you know, guard your heart. Um, but you can't avoid the fact that you have to put your feelings on the line if you want to work towards a relationship. And I'm so sorry that that's the case. If you're single, here's some stuff I think it would be good for you to know. And then I'll tell you what I think we as a church, you guys as a church community could know. Um, and then we'll wrap up. Um, you not being good enough, hot enough, clever enough, toned enough, those are lies of the enemy. That is it. You do not have to change your appearance. You know, it's good to put your best foot forward. It's good to be well presented. But that's it. It's not a case of if you have bigger lips or a flatter stomach or more muscles or if you are taller. You are worthy of love regardless of society's standards, you know. Um, oh, gosh, regardless of what I've just said, it's not all misery, you know, that is a very specific hole that people can fall down and people need support when they feel that way. But being single is not all misery. There are so many perks to being single. And whether or not you're single for this year or for the rest of your life, enjoy those. Enjoy that you can decide where you travel, you know, and you don't have to check with someone else about the finances. It's, it's up to you. You get the final say. Enjoy the freedom to be able to go and see people and do what you want and have fewer financial ties. And that's incredible. 
There are good single people out there, including men in the church, which is a very common narrative. Oh, there's no good Christian men. That's a lie. I reject it. Whenever I'm in that sort of scarcity mindset, God will bring along an amazing male friend into my life who proves that that is not the case. I believe God provides our daily bread, and I think that's why it's called manna. Manna. Yeah. Big time. He knew what he was doing. Um, Marriage won't solve problems. Again, I've said that, and I think if you're not sure about that, just check in with someone, one of the many people who raise their hands about being married. Marriage is beautiful. What is that? Is there like a bird up there? Great. Maybe someone's trying to crash in through the roof, you know, (laughs) lowering their mate down. Um, Okay. If you feel tired, it's okay to take a break. If the idea of taking a break from dating and committing to six months or a year or even just a month of being single freaks you out, probably means you should do it. You're not running out of time. God doesn't run out of time. And it's important to reject that narrative. Um, If you're jealous of your friends, that's okay. I don't think that you're responsible for your first for your first thought but I do think you're responsible for your second and I think that you can pray against that you can pray that you truly want to celebrate their relationship and what they're doing but don't beat yourself up if that isn't your initial reaction Um, lament is your friend it's not sinful it's valuable to take the pain that you're feeling to God Um, Overall, I think it's just so important for people not to feel alone. It's important to have other people in fellowship with you. Vital, thank you. Not just important, vital. To have other people in fellowship with you. Um, In terms of your relationship with God, if it's something that is challenging your relationship with God, I'm going to quote kind of Brene Brown slash Pete Hughes, who's the vicar of KXC. He did a a short video on a a new thing called Stream Studio, which you guys should check out. It's three-minute sermons, which are very powerful. And he was saying that Brene Brown said that she thought when she found her faith that it would be like an epidural, you know, that God would numb her from pain so she wouldn't have to feel it anymore. But what she's found as she's journeyed with God is that he is the midwife, He's not there to take away the pain, but he is a safe pair of hands to feel it with, to guide you through it. He's not going anywhere until you're on the other side of it. And I think that that's an incredible thing for us to remember during any struggle. God is good, whether you feel it or not. He loves you, whether you feel it or not right now. He's listening. He cares about you. He is working for your best interests. You don't need to feel those things for them to be true. But you will be able to handle life on life's terms far better and live to the fullest, regardless of the stage you're in, if you let that knowledge sink from your head to your heart. Okay, now for everyone. What can we all do? Oh, I think it'd be great if there was better representation of single people. I think representation matters, and I think that that is a journey that we as a wider society and church societies are going on at the moment to champion people who maybe aren't the classic... What is it that people always say? Pale, male, and stale. And there's nothing wrong with those people. 
okay? They have amazing wisdom. I like those preachers just as much as the next person, but it's nice to hear people who are coming at things from a different angle, who have a different perspective, and to add those into our circle. So if there's representation of single people in the decision bodies in our churches, I think some of these blind spots will be mopped up. Also, it'd be great if we could have an understanding that not everyone who is single wants to be married. Um, And those people may not want to constantly answer questions about why they're not asking girls out or if they're getting out on the dating apps, you know. Um, Be mindful of the fact that not everyone has a partner or children when coordinating events for the church community. Don't just tolerate single people and add them on and be like, yeah, come along. Design events with them in mind to champion them and to target the unique needs of people who are in that stage. Celebrate milestones not associated with changes in romantic relationships. So, you know, someone pays off their mortgage, someone moves house, someone gets a promotion, anything. You know, like, actually, why not? Let's just really shower that person because it could be something they've been working towards for years and years and years. And that's exciting. Reach out and extend invitations to single people. Open your home. We are built to live in community. Particularly, if someone's unwell, if someone had COVID, right, they're just there on their own. COVID's a bit of a particular one because you need to keep a a certain distance. But if somebody's hurt themselves, who's cooking with them? Who's sitting on the sofa with them? And it's not, and dropping off food's great, but company is way more important, you know? You can probably chuck some toast in the toaster, but you can't, you know, have a conversation with yourself. You can't put a movie on. It's not the same. Um, I, just to remind you of the psalm that we read early doors, and I'm so sorry that I've gone on a little bit longer. It's going to be 60 seconds from here. Um, psalm 68, 6. God sets the lonely in families. If there's someone in your church who doesn't have a family home that they can rock up to, they should have a key. They should be able to turn up, sit on the sofa and be like, oh, what what are we watching tonight? Oh, yeah, Pastor Bake from last night. Love it. I'm going to microwave mine. You know, then actually, what are we doing? People need that. And we have confused entertaining and hospitality. Entertaining is inviting someone two weeks in advance, taking their coat when they walk in, offering them a drink, cooking more than one course. It's lovely. We still want those invitations. But hospitality is leaving the door on the latch, saying, yeah, come in. I'm just bathing the kids. You know, EastEnders is on, or some sort of Christian show. (laughs) Like, that's... That's it. Have someone feel... Make them put their... Not make them. Give them the space to put their own dish in the dishwasher. People think that that's not caring for people. That is caring for people. Having them feel that they have a second home in your home, where there's someone they can, somewhere they can always go. You will change someone's life. Ultimately, people in this church should be able to commit to being single... Or be single at the moment with a hope for marriage, but never feel alone or lonely. And that is every single one of our responsibilities. Thank you so much. That's me done.